Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with, this, with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thanks so much, Alice. I love Easter morning. Um, when we were little, we used to go up to this place called High Elms in Orpington for this sunrise service. And I've just got such fond memories of, there was this like almost like fake tomb in the side of the hill. We used to go up at sort of six o'clock in the morning and watch the sunrise. And I've got such happy memories of Easter. But just want to say happy Easter, everybody. And we're here. Um, I'm actually going to... I'm actually going to... Switch up a little bit. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. If it's only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And it all hinges on this, that if, if the resurrection isn't true, we might as well go home. So it's what it's all about today. So it's the most single, most important moment in world history, bar none. You don't even have to believe it's true to accept that. Everything changed in world history on that date. Even our calendars changed. 
It, the whole uh, operating system of the world changed because of the resurrection, and it affects every one of us here today profoundly. Whether you've come to whether you come to church every week or whether you never go to church, this is the first time you've been here. We are all affected profoundly by the resurrection. It's rooted in history. It is an historical fact. Um, you can look in, it's more provable than any other historical event in its antiquity. And you can look in documents, not just the Bible, to discover that it's not credible if somebody says to you that they don't believe it, that it didn't actually happen. There is more evidence for this than, than Julius Caesar existing, for example. There's a, a really great book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, written by jo Josh McDowell. And he started off as an ag agnostic, wanting to disprove the gospel, wanting to disprove that Jesus actually existed. And then he ended up becoming a Christian. And I really recommend, if you, if you really want to grapple with, is this actually an historical event, I'd really, really recommend that you read that book. It's quite... Uh, it goes into all sorts of historical documents and, and why the Bible is actually a legitimate book as well, but particularly the life of Jesus and the resurrection. So if you don't actually believe that it's a historical fact, then I really recommend you reading that. So it's an historical fact and it's well rooted in history. And then it's grounded in scripture. And here we have the world's most best-selling book. It's the world's best-selling book. How amazing is that? And over 2.3 million people today are celebrating Easter. That's almost a third of the world's population. And we think things like the World Cup final, the Olympics, are such a big deal. But the, the, it's a fraction of the number of people that are celebrating Easter today. Even people that don't know who our celebrities are are waking up today and celebrating Easter Day. The BBC conducted a poll recently that said that one quarter of British adults agreed that Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected at Easter so that we could be forgiven. A quarter. Way more than go to church. But that means you've got people in your street or people in your workplaces that actually believe that Jesus died and rose again. It's such a great place to start a conversation. So the resurrection is rooted in history, it's grounded in scripture, and it's confirmed by experience. And you could go around this room and ask any Christian here, why, do you, why is Jesus alive? Why do you think Jesus is alive? And they may, might talk about history or they might talk about the Bible, but at some point they're going to talk about what difference Jesus has made to them. Their own experience of having met Jesus. Him alive, him engaged with their lives, him forgiving their sins. I, for me, before I became a Christian, I was really hard-hearted, and I didn't want people to get to know me, and yet I did, and I was deeply insecure as well, and the instant, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the instant I accepted Jesus, my heart was completely soft, and I, I, I felt like I wanted to let people in, and I wanted to let God in, and that process started of me being confident about God and who, who God had made me to be, that part was more of a process. And still is. Um, so there's a few reasons why the resurrection of Jesus is really important. And the first is it means the power of sin in our lives can be broken. Christians believe that Jesus died on the cross to take our sin from us. And that literally just means all the things that we say and think and do that are just selfish. Those attitudes that we don't like or those things that we think that we don't want to think. We don't want to act like that, but we still do. And the Bible just says we've all sinned and we've all messed up. There is no one that's perfect. 
And we all know that, don't we? Even the great psychologists are trying to find ways of helping us in, in our messed up state. But the good news of the resurrection is that we can have a completely fresh start. We can be completely forgiven and have a completely fresh start. I remember just over a year ago, we brought, brought somebody to, the, to this cross and, and she, she just kind of completely um, said sorry for all the things in her life and made a completely fresh start. It made a, such a difference to her life. The power of the cross and the power of forgiveness. When we think we've just done so much that we can't be forgiven, it's just not true. We can have a completely fresh start. And the second reason that it's good news is that there is life after death. Death is a reality in our world. Even this past year, there's been people in the church that friends and family and loved ones have died. And it hurts just so deeply. But if Jesus rose from the grave, we believe there's life on the other side of death. It's such a beautiful and a wonderful hope that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus, it means logically that if Jesus has got death over and done with, he is alive today. He's moving around in our world. He hears our prayers. And you and I can not only just vaguely believe this stuff. Uh, uh, to be a Christian, it's not some awful religion, that, but it's to having a living relationship with Jesus. There's more to life than just this. There's a story told of an old lady who lived in London a few years ago, and her name was Florrie Shaw, and she was 87 years old. And she had to go into hospital for a very serious surgery. And the doctor had to sit her down in advance and say, Florrie, it's possible you won't survive this surgery. It's very serious, and you're 87 years old. And so she prepared herself to die. Well, she survived the surgery, and as she was coming around from the anaesthetic, a surgeon came around, but she was still a bit blurry, her eyes were still a bit foggy, and she wasn't quite seeing clearly when this doctor in a white coat approached her, and blinking, she came out with the immortal line, Hello, God, I'm Florrie Shaw. And I love that she knew where she was going. She understood that the resurrection of Jesus meant that there is life on the other side of death, and that this is the cornerstone of the Christian gospel, that word Gospel, it just means good news, that one day you and I will be resurrected and we will be able to say, hello, God. And the third reason it's not just about life after death, the third reason that this is good news is that we can have life before death. We all experience death and dying in our own lives in so many different ways, don't we? Re relationally or psychologically, death of dreams, sickness, sorrow, and we believe that Jesus and his resurrection from the grave, it's good news for us in this life as well as the next. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the great Chronicles of Narnia, he talks about Easter Day and he says this. And it's got some of C.S. Lewis's flowery language in this, so please bear with me. But he says, a man really ought to say the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago in the same spirit in which they say, I saw a crocus yesterday. Because we know what's coming behind that crocus. The spring comes slowly down this way, but the great thing is that the corner has been turned. There is, of course, this difference that in the natural spring, the crocus cannot choose whether it will respond or not. We can. 
we have the power either of withstanding the spring and sinking back into the cosmic winter, or of going on into those high midsummer pomps, whatever they are, in which our leader, the Son of Man, already dwells and to which he is calling us. It remains with us to follow or not, to die in this winter or to go on into that spring and that summer. And the question is, what were we going to do this Easter? Will we die in this cosmic winter or follow Jesus into the new life of spring? Um, I don't know, maybe you feel like you've been in a long winter and you're really ready for a crocus or two. I love spring. I think it's, I like all the seasons, but I think it's probably my favorite season because there's just signs of new life everywhere. It just feels like there's hope just literally everywhere. And perhaps you're starting to feel like you're beginning to see that first crocus, maybe that first glimpse of hope and life. And I wonder whether this Easter is about daring to hope again. It's one of the phrases that I just kept feeling as I was preparing for this. Are you ready to dare to hope again? And Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, means daring to hope. Taking that crocus as the promise of spring and summer to come. And I think God wants to give us new hope today. There's this um, in Romans 8 in the message version. I came across this this week and I just want to read it to you. I think we do have it on there. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? And I love that, this resurrection hope. is the spirit beckoning you today into something out of a grave-tending experience. Just hanging around the grave. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever death has looked like for you recently. And God is saying, I know how much it hurts. But it's time, as the crocus comes out, as the spring comes, it's time to step into the new season. Maybe stepping into Easter this year is about another area of despair or hopelessness. Not necessarily to do with death or dying, but God is saying, do you dare to believe for something better? Maybe you've just been in a long season of waiting. And God is saying to you, it's time to begin new adventures. There was a, a powerful image that was in the news this week after the fire at Notre Dame. And it was an image that showed scenes of blackened walls and floors and smoke still rising. But the cross appearing to emit a warm glow as it hung, hung over the altar. I don't know whether you can see that. And it, to me, it was just such a powerful reminder that there's still hope in the middle of destruction. Just, you know, just the way that the smoke was still rising and yet the, the cross is just glimmering. And that's the hope of the cross, that there's hope in the middle of destruction. I love this one as, of the firefighters looking at the cross as well through the smoke. Just there's, there's these signs of life everywhere. Just total aside, did you hear about the bees as well in Notre Dame? Anyone hear about the bees? Apparently, there are 180,000 bees kept in the roof of Notre Dame, and they thought that they'd all perished, but they were alive. <laughs> 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 uh, 
And uh, what happens is the carbon dioxide in the smoke sent all the bees to sleep. And so they were, they were like um, comatosed for a while. And apparently, very interesting fact, <laughs> fire, when they sense fire, they gorge themselves on honey and they protect the queen. How amazing is that? But the hives have all survived. And it was I think if they'd been any nearer to the actual flames, the wax would have melted and they'd have gone. But 180,000 bees are still alive. Yay. How amazing. <laughs> Jesus is alive. So anyway, that's my little bunny trail. Um, I just, I just want to echo those words at C.S. Lewis. I want to invite people to step into spring, to step into the resurrection life of Jesus this Easter. Will you let Easter come and go in a sort of feast of chocolate and bunny rabbits and whatever else? It's just this weird day of the year, this kind of mad weird day where we kind of go mental on chocolate and then wake up tomorrow morning with a chocolate hangover. Or could this day actually be the message of new life and hope? One, so that one day we will end up blinking like Florrie Shaw and say, hello, God. And that simple choice to step into spring, to accept the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it's not just this vague thing, but it changed my life and it changed the life of so many others. It changed the life of Florrie Shaw and of C.S. Lewis. And it means I'm being changed for the better. I still mess up, as people around you might tell you. And I, I find every time there's freedom and there's forgiveness. Every time. And I, I know that God's presence is with me through the best and the worst moments of my life. I know God's love is with me through the valley and through the mountaintops. It's a wonderful thing to know the power of the risen Jesus. And some people, when they, when they become Christians, it's like really dramatic. And others, it's just very gradual. And um, we run Alpha in this church. And every term, we start a new one. And we'll be starting a new one in May. And, and it's brilliant. You know, you just turn up. You have some food. You watch a little video to stimulate some conversation. And then you break into a group and you chat about it. And we just talk about different aspects of what Christians believe. And some people come on the courses atheists and they leave as agnostics some people actually become christians but everybody seems to love it and there are so many people all around the world that are doing alpha people in your workplace and on your street are doing alpha whether they've told you or not and so for some people it's a process it's a, a process of coming gently to faith to asking questions to maybe even daring to pray and Alpha is one of the things that we love here. And, and um, these little booklets, I think they're on the bookshelf at, at the back. But they've just got, s it's, it's not like a big scary book. You can actually get through it in one day. Um, but I, it might be that you kind of say this morning, I can't quite remember what that strange woman talking about bees was talking about. But, um, but, but I need to go and read this a bit more. I need to go and look at what, the, what this actually means. If the resurrection is a historical fact, is that actually going to change my life? Am I actually going to take that seriously? And there's a little prayer in the back of this. And I, just, I feel like it, it would just be wrong on Easter Sunday not to pray this prayer. And it could be that today there's people here that haven't actually 
prayed that prayer to kind of surrender all to Jesus. And I can't think of a better day to become a follower of Jesus than Easter Sunday. I mean, Bank Holiday Monday would be okay, but probably Easter Sunday is better. And so I want to give everybody an opportunity to, if you've been thinking about this, you've been kind of considering this, but you've never sealed the deal, never consciously, never consciously said, do you know what, I've messed up, you take charge, I need to be forgiven. And I accept that when you died on the cross, you did it for me. And I want to say sorry for all my sins. I want to be forgiven. I want to live a life in relationship with the living Jesus. I'd like one day to be like Florrie Shaw that knows when I step into heaven, I can just say a big hearty, hello God. And I think there might be people here today that might like to do that for the first time. Or there could be one or two people here that have just said, you know what, I've done that before. But I've been away from God for a while, and I've been heading in the wrong, wrong direction. And it's time, Easter 2019, to come back. And so I'm going to finish by praying a very short little prayer. And if you want to pray that prayer with me, I'd love for you to do that. Not necessarily out loud, just do it in your heart. The Bible says that God hears our prayers all the time, whether we say them out loud or not. And so I wonder whether we just close our eyes, just so it helps. And um, if you want to pray this with me, pray this just in your heart. But let's pray this, shall we? Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. Maybe there are particular things that you can just name right now that you're aware of to ask forgiveness of. Lord, would you please forgive me? I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Jesus. And just keep our eyes closed for a minute because I'd, I'd love to invite anybody who's actually sort of prayed that prayer and meant it for the first time or with a recommitment just to raise your hand. And uh, it's not, everyone's going to be happy for you, but just to make it easier for you, I'm just telling everyone to keep their eyes closed. And it's just a great way of putting a marker in and saying, count me in. I want to remember this moment. It's too easy just to drift on and dismiss it. And if you really meant that prayer, you want to make sure you don't let that moment go. So if anybody has prayed that for the first time or as a recommitment, why don't you just um, raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you for your bravery. Great. Open your eyes. 
so great, isn't it, when people come and accept Jesus for the first time, or the second time, whenever. Party in heaven, every time. And if you've prayed that prayer, do make sure that you get one of these books and you get somebody to pray with you. But maybe today as well, you need new hope. I just really feel like there's people that have been in this cosmic winter. And there's an invitation today to dare to believe that God has got something new. And we're going to spend a bit of time worshipping in a minute. But if you feel like there's areas of your life which... Um, you remember in the Chronicles of Narnia, there was this, just this unending winter. And I think, I think the invitation today is just that God is saying the spring is coming. And if you want to step into that spring, I'm just going to invite you forward in a minute to come and be prayed for, or if you want to come to the cross and just say, Jesus, I'm going to choose to trust you again. I'm going to choose that there's hope again. And maybe you want to just bring your disappointment and your sadness that things haven't worked out quite how you thought they would but just that invitation to dare to hope again so I'm just going to invite the band back we're going to carry on worshipping there's um, there's nothing magical about this space at the front but it just means that we can pray for you and kind of um, maybe help you in some of the decisions you've got to make or some of those choices that you're facing or just partner with you in bringing hope to situations so as we worship, why don't we do that all together? And um, why don't you stand? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.